And here we go, the Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral Podcast. Really excited you're here. Happy holidays. It's a couple days before Christmas. I think Hanukkah starts pretty soon as well. So wherever you are, happy holidays. Somehow this time of year has become a bit chaotic, a bit stressful for people. Again, I feel as though there's this expectation that you have to buy and consume and purchase. And if anything, this time of year, and I say it in my yoga class, it's a great time to feel gratitude, be thankful for our health, the people in our lives that make us feel better, feel centered, more balanced, that help us slow down. So if anything, use these next couple days to be around people that remind you about the more important things in our lives. And that's sort of what this podcast is about. And I think actually today's episode is a really important topic of discussion. Before I get there, I'm still in the midst of interviewing or rather editing the conversation that I had with Lo Santos. She's a dancer here in LA. That podcast should hopefully drop later on this week. But I want to share a couple podcasts that I listen to, but they will connect with this idea of critical thinking, being critical. I get accused of being negative or being glass half empty sometimes. I think it's actually really important to have some objectivity and to not just conform and just jump in the party or the pool of Instagram and do what everybody else is doing. This podcast and sort of what I'm trying to convey is the importance of being an individual. I think it's really important to be critical and not just say everything is great all the time. I think the problem is, is that, you know, we have a president right now, Donald Trump, who is so incredibly vitriolic and negative and so incredibly vocal about his negativity that if one, it's almost as if people think that sort of attitude or the way that he communicates sort of embodies negative thinking. It's like, if you're not careful, you're just going to be compared to him. And he is so far off the rails of what I think is objective critical thinking. I really believe Instagram and and social media has created a world where people don't know how to think for themselves and to think critically. And I also don't think people are comfortable with someone who is critical. And let me try to explain here. So I want to talk about a couple movies that I've seen recently. And I'm going to start with a positive one that I thought was amazing. Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I mean, I'm a huge Quentin Tarantino fan. I do think his films can become a little self-indulgent sometimes. And they have the tendency sometimes to meander. But he has a way of creating a world where you feel like you're in the movie. The music selections, the acting, the writing. I mean, I talked about this with Marriage Story about a week or two ago. I never felt like I was in the movie. 
you know, let's talk about Goodfellas really quickly versus The Irishman. The Irishman to me is a, a meandering mess. Whereas Goodfellas, you really, and I think a lot of it is because it's much more focused. It's focused on Henry Hill. You really feel you're in the movie in Goodfellas. So back to Quentin Tarantino's movie, it's patient, it's well-written. Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio, their characters are so well thought out. It's clever, the music. And, you know, I live in Los Angeles, so I think any movie that can capture the essence of L.A., I'm all, I, I'm just a huge fan of. So I really, really responded to the film. I just, I really enjoyed it. I thought I was in it. It was just a great experience for me. And I want to then talk about Uncut Gems. It's this new film with Adam Sandler. And I just saw it last night and I thought it was a complete mess. And we're going to, I'm going to dive in a little bit more about critical thinking, but I just want to share some thoughts about the movie and why I think it's important to be an individual and be objective and not just believe what people say about a movie. And, you know, I think a lot of critics are saying the Irishman is great, but I, I really believe that people are scared to say that Martin Scorsese made a bad movie or Robert De Niro, who's one of the greatest actors of all time, actually did a pretty mediocre job as an actor in the film. And then even Al Pacino sort of really just yelled and screamed, but never really, to me, was a real-life character. To me, there was just a lot of shortcuts in the film. So this relates, I think, to Uncut Gems. You know, Adam Sandler's known for being a goofball and, and known for being in comedies and being silly and funny. So on the surface, one would think that, oh, he's really taking a risk or going outside of himself to play a character who is an gamble, a gambleaholic, if there's such a word. He's addicted to gambling. And he's so far over his head. I mean, we're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt. And the film is shot in such a quick fire, frenetic pace where it's, it's like a music video. But I realized Adam Sandler, it's, it's actually not a stretch. And I'll tell you why. He is yelling the entire movie. He's screaming. Every word that he utters, he's screaming, whether it's to his wife or his bookie or his family. He will not stop. Or his girlfriend. He's, he's nonstop yelling. And if you've ever seen an Adam Sandler movie, a, a comedy, or seen him on Saturday Night Live, he's typically yelling. He's really not doing anything different in this movie. He's just yelling and screaming, just like he always does, except he's in a different environment. This movie has no redeemable quality to it. There's no connection to anybody. And what's so interesting about the movie, it is so fast-paced. It's so in-your-face. The music is loud, and Adam Sandler's loud, and everybody's yelling. I couldn't help but compare that to what our culture has become. Non-stop yelling and screaming trying to get people's attention. People rely on the yelling and screaming because 
there's nothing of sub there's nothing of substance that they think they possess that will get your attention. So they rely on yelling and screaming. And back to the comparison now, and I think this is really important to Quentin Tarantino. You know, Reservoir Dogs is so gory and over the top and in your face, but there's a lot of human elements to that movie. There's some beautiful scenes where Harvey Keitel's character is holding on to Tim Roth, who's about to die. And there's this beautiful scene with Steve Buscemi and Harvey Keitel in the bathroom trying to figure out who's who ratted them out. Even Pulp Fiction, there's these beautiful scenes where, despite the chaos, Bruce Willis has decided to go back and get or save his friend. Amongst the chaos, there's all these human elements. And I guess my point is, is that Uncut Gems has no human elements. It's nonstop screaming, yelling, try to get your attention, deceptively making you think that what's going on is cool and fresh and exciting. And then, oh, we have Adam Sandler. This guy typically associated with comedies involved in this frenetic, crazy movie about gambling. The movie is terrible. There's no human elements that draw you in and make you feel sorry for Adam Sandler, make you feel sorry for his predicament. You just can't wait till the movie is over. You can tell I love movies. Even the movie Seven from David Fincher, one of the most depressing, sad movies I think you could ever imagine seeing. But I loved it because there's these human elements underneath it all. Because without them, all you're left with is Instagram screaming, yelling people trying to grab your attention. Again, back to this concept of critical thinking. I think it's really important that you stay objective and don't just agree with what everybody else is doing. I think it's important to say that you don't like something. I think it's important to say that something could be better. Nobody knows how to disagree or handle somebody who may say, oh, that actually wasn't very good. Because then they could be called a hater. They could be called negative. And actually, for me, it's, it's quite frustrating sometimes because I don't think I'm negative at all. I just think we could be doing a better job of being individuals and being honest about our feelings, saying something could be better. Because I think if the quality of life or the quality of art improves, then all of our lives improve. And I want to relate this to two podcasts that I want to play for you. It feels as though the world just wants everybody on Instagram, staring at their phones, consuming as much as possible, as quickly as possible. And I get frustrated by that because I think people need to be more disciplined and spend less time on social media and on their phones and spend more time reading or watching movies or having face-to-face conversations. I'm going to play two separate podcasts. I don't want to see even say this person's a friend, but I a, a new student came to my yoga class about two weeks ago. And we started talking about yoga and technology, and I talked to her about my podcast. 
Um, and so she ended up sending me a podcast because she knows that my podcast is sort of about how social media and Instagram are ruining the world. And, and I really do believe that. I really do. And if not ruining the world, changing our world so dramatically in so many different ways. So she sends me this podcast, and it's um, by a guy named Jay Shetty, On Purpose with Jay Shetty. And I don't know anything about Jay. Of course, I did a little research on him, and not much comes up, but it does say his occupation is internet personality. So right away, I think to myself, anybody who wants you to spend more time on the internet, or at least on social media, or trying to figure out ways that you should be on social media is actually doing more harm than good. And he starts talking about how he reads this New York Times report where he says, you know, the most popular or most liked posts on social media or Facebook are ones that promote positivity. And so he's giving people advice on the types of posts they should post on social media to get more traction. And this guy has lots of followers. He's been on the Ellen DeGeneres show. And I think to myself, anybody who is suggesting how you should be on social media, who's a quote unquote internet personality, to me is causing more harm than good. And more importantly, and to me more damaging, he is trying to get people to all be the same, all do the same stuff, all post something that they think is going to create more traction. And that's the last thing that we should be doing. We shouldn't be doing anything to get traction or likes, because then you're going to start doing things that are only for likes or only for the response. You're not going to be doing what you want. I know that's a really challenging concept to wrap your mind around. But once dopamine gets involved, once likes and social media get involved with your behavior, then you're not acting like yourself anymore. You are acting to get feedback or attention or dopamine. And then all of these people out there that are trying to get you to be on social media more often. It's a pretty damaging cycle. And so I want to play you a clip from Jay's podcast. And then I want to talk to you about something incredibly ironic that I felt after listening to it. Clearly, Jay is very intelligent. And I do like some of the words he's saying, but it's obvious to me that he's wrapped up in the cycle of social media. So I want to play you this clip about um, where Jay is talking, and then I want to share a few thoughts. That's important when you need your break, you need your refuel. I spend 30 days a year not using social media, even though my whole life exists on it. I spend 30 days a year where I go into deeper meditation and I'm not active on my phone at all, and that helps me. But one thing I'd, I'd really look at is figuring out why you're on social media. Like just asking yourself, why am I on this platform? And if you can't answer that with a really honest, genuine, authentic reason, then find one to be on there. Because if we're not focused users, we will only be consumers. And that's when you get drawn in 
rather than being additive, we get consumed by the media. And that applies to everything, by the way, not just social media. That principle applies to everything, that if you can't figure out why you're there, then why are you there, mm -hmm. right? And so I think that's really important that we figure our intention, we figure out why we're there, what we're doing there, what's our purpose there. And so for me, I made it very clear when I started that my goal was to make wisdom go viral. And so that's what I'm focusing on is how can we use social media to scale? And I have to add that, how many of you used Pokemon Go? How many of you played Pokemon Go with your kids? Right, okay, awesome. So a fair few of you. Everyone remembers Pokemon Go? Yeah. yeah. So I'm using Pokemon Go as an example because it showed something. At that time, all game manufacturers believed that no children wanted to go outside. Right? That, that was the running line that game manufacturers like, every kid wants to be inside, no one wants to go outside. Here came a man who invented a game. I'm not saying the game's amazing, I'm just making this point. Yeah. He invented a game that made children yeah, go outside. Yeah. And the reason behind it was he said that when he was young, him and his father would go out into the woods and his father would explain to him different creatures, Whoa. different insects, different bugs, different animals. And his father would explain the characteristics to him. He wanted to do that with his son, but he didn't know how to get his son outdoors. Whoa. So he invented this game <laughs> that became this worldwide phenomenon. My point being, it's our job to be more creative more focused, more excited, and more enlivened to want to be with nature, to want to try new things, to, to come up with new ideas. And when we do that, that's contagious. It cascades across the whole world. <laughs> kind of, do you kind of hear the, the lunacy in his example? He starts out talking in such a wonderfully inspiring way about how important it is to be outside, take breaks from social media, and then he uses Pokemon Go as a motivator or as an example of how technology can get people outside. He compares it to his dad taking him outside to teach him things about nature. But now people are going outside to stare at their phones at Pokemon Go to numb out and become a zombie. The, the comparison, the example makes no sense. In fact, it's actually pretty pathetic. <laughs> I mean, seriously. Do you see the lunacy? This guy, Jay Shetty, internet personality, I believe thousands and thousands of followers on the Ellen DeGeneres show, trying to make sense of technology, not, I don't think, to make your life better, but to ultimately perpetuate the cycle that is social media and technology, to get people to keep staring at their phones and try and figure out what's going to go viral. I mean, who the fuck knows what's going to go viral? Just create something good, write something good, make something good. And if it's really that good, then people are going to buy it and consume it. Anything you can do to be different, you've got to hold on to. And I know people out there don't like it if I criticize yoga. You know, yoga teachers have to be calm and content all the time. Which, to me, if, if there is this pressure that you have to be something, then... 
you've got to change your course. You've got to run the other way and get away from whatever is telling you you have to be a certain way. Take time off, clear your head, and figure out what's true for you. Because what's happening is everybody is becoming the same. People just want you to post pretty pictures on Instagram all the time, post food pictures all the time, where you're just always smiling and everything is good. Well, that's, that's not reality. Yeah, there's certainly a lot of good, but we come in contact with some toxic behavior every day. And I do think it's important to talk about that. And I do think it's important to bring it up and criticize things that could be better because we are not all living in this sort of fake utopian world where everybody's happy all the time. Human beings are not always happy. And that's okay. But I think it's important to have these conversations because it creates more depth. It creates more individualistic behavior where then we know how to handle different types of people and behavior, not just happy and likes. And that's all Facebook and Instagram want. They want this fake utopian world where just everybody's posting perfect, perfectly filtered, happy posts and pictures all the time. And then we have guys like Jay Shetty who's saying, you need to keep doing that because that's what goes the most viral, whatever that means. We, we want people that are creating stuff because they're passionate about it and they don't give a fuck what other people are going to say about it or think about it. And so this leads me to my last clip. I've really become a fan of Ezra Klein's show, the podcast, and he was speaking to Jaron Lanier, who's a writer, uh, a philosopher. He wrote a book called You Are Not a Gadget, which I just ordered a couple days ago. Again, I think it's this idea, you know, technology and people who are sort of marketing people or internet personalities, they all want you to be on your phones all the time. They all want you to become robots. And so Jaron, I think, has a really interesting way of communicating this idea of the toxicity of social media and being an individual. So I want to play this clip for you. You basically have people who are either trying to get attention for themselves online or people who are putting money into the system as so-called advertisers to try to change the world in some way. And in both cases, the motivations are emphasizing what I'd call negative emotions over positive ones. If you want to get attention for yourself, it's easier to get attention if you scare people or annoy them or make them jealous or something like that. And so you, you tend to have this uh, incentive structure that brings out the ass in people. You know, you have a lot of people acting out like kids online and a kind of a a mean environment overall, a hostile environment. And, and what I'll observe is whenever there's an online system in which there's some other incentive that coexists with the drive for attention, and it doesn't even matter what it is, that diversity kind of makes people better because it just opens up other possibilities. LinkedIn is an example. It's a, it's a big social network that doesn't have a lot of the uh, hostile fabricated news. It doesn't have a lot of uh, bullying and ganging up on people or you know, weird kinds of shaming. And the reason is just simply that there's this other incentive that coexists with everything else where people are furthering their careers. So at least they have something else to do. And I think that 
really opens things up a lot. It's so simple. But on Facebook, it's not clear there is anything else for most people on it. And so you tend to end up in these sort of infantile games of attention getting uh, through negativity. Well, there's also the more deep-seated human game of showing which tribe you're in, of ascending in status within your tribe, of of Mm -hmm. showing that you have the right opinions. And one thing I struggle with when I think about these critiques of our digital world is, are these critiques of the UI we're using and the platforms and how they're built and how they're designed and how they're financed, or are they critiques of human nature, of what it is like when people live in big communities, of what high school was like, which it was not uh, great for me. Junior high was not great for me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And sometimes I wonder if part of the optimism of people who grew up not loving social dynamics was this hope that technology would solve it, but that it's actually human nature and and communal nature that can be the problem. Well, I'll tell you my working theory of this, and I'm not claiming I know that this is definitely true, (laughs) but my working hypothesis is uh, that people have... um, a bi-stable nature where we can function either as individuals or as pack members. And there are other species that are clearly like this, and a wolf comes to mind. You have a lone wolf or a wolf pack. And uh, roughly speaking, when people act as individuals, they tend to overall be better uh, in a society. uh, And that might seem contradictory. You might think that human society should be all about packs, but actually it's the opposite. To the degree people become packs, the packs then get into conflicts and people judge each other according to the pack dynamic and decency in society suffers. So I think uh, systems that bring out the individual aspect of people instead of the pack member aspect of people tend to create a better overall environment for everybody. And that's, I think, one of the basic reasons that in a genuinely open and uh, creative capitalist market can actually create a more decent society, even though it might seem as though it would just be sort of chaotic and lead to the dominance of the fittest. It's exactly when things turn into uh, packs, when, when, when things coalesce into opposing groups that the worst in people comes out. Um, and unfortunately, uh, because our digital world has focused so much on just trying to corral people to make them modifiable by the so-called advertisers who are paying to modify their behavior. The most efficient way to do that is to corral them into packs and then to get them upset with the alternative packs. So it just makes society more and more negative and disrupts things more and more and more because that's just the, the best business plan if that's your fundamental incentive. I sometimes like to play these clips from... <laughs> people that are more articulate or intelligent than I am, because sometimes I don't know if I say it clearly enough. You know, choosing words on the fly to talk about my thoughts towards this chaotic world we live in is is challenging sometimes. It doesn't always make sense. And although life is great and I feel wonderful and I feel very lucky. I do feel challenged and poked and prodded sometimes by the world that I live in. It's because we're so easily manipulated into being a part of a pack or posting or creating content that should be a certain way on Instagram. 
or, you know, yoga teachers that should be a particular way because they're a yoga teacher. You know, I recorded a podcast about two months ago in closing here where I talked about my trip to New York and I was pretty passionate and I was angry. And one of my students who comes to my yoga class very regularly, she listened to that podcast. And, you know, obviously when I teach, I'm very generous and sweet and nice and and compassionate. If I, I feel like I already said that word, but um, I'm really there for my students. So I, I was curious after she listened to that podcast episode if she would come back to my class. And she she actually thought the podcast was was really good. We need to be okay with people not behaving like we want them to or how we think they should all the time. And somehow social media has dehumanized us. And because people spend more time on social media and less time around actual human beings, where human beings are radical creatures, we are slowly not knowing how to deal with human beings anymore. And that's a scary thought. And I think it's really important to just be open to people that don't think like you do. I mentioned a, one of my very first podcasts about how I think music is sort of, it's not as good as it used to be. And Radiohead is one of my favorite bands, but I don't think their last few records have been very good at all. And I think even Tom York's solo records, they're just okay. There's some cool sounds going on, some interesting production sometimes, but overall... If it wasn't Tom York doing this, I don't think anybody would really care. And that's something you need to sort of ask yourself when a really popular band puts out a record. Like, if it wasn't U2, would anybody give a fuck about their latest album, which I thought was really pretty mediocre. Just a couple songs on there were were okay. And the reality is probably not. I just, I think we have a downward spiral of a lot of different creative outlets. And I just, I think one important reason, or one reason is technology. Instead of working on your craft, people are staring at their phones. And we also live in a world now where people are terrified to criticize. They don't want to hurt people's feelings. They don't know how to criticize in a way that comes across as being respectful. As an artist, to fellow artists, if somebody shares something with you and wants your opinion, ask them, do they want you to just tell them it's great or do they want you to actually be honest about it and could it be better? I think it's just something to think about. Thank you so much. End of the year. Happy New Year. I hope 2020 kicks ass. I'm so blessed that you've taken the time to listen to my show, support of the show. Please reach out to me. And say hello on Instagram, at Eddie Cohn. You can also reach out on Twitter, at Eddie Cohn. Any questions, any comments, positive or negative, it's okay. Please head over to iTunes and write a review. Share the show with friends. Tell people about it. And if anything, get people off of Instagram. I mean, seriously. I mean, Instagram isn't the devil. Of course, I use it every now and again. It's okay to use it, but... They suck you in and they want you to be on the platform for over like five hours a day. So anyway, my conversation with Los Santos should be coming up in the next week. 
As always, I appreciate your support, listening, and being a part of the Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral. Again, thanks so much. Have a wonderful holiday, new year, and as always, thanks so much for being a part of the show. Have a great day.